Stephenson, uh, here, uh, founder of the Firesticks Alliance, um, a guru for uh, burning off country, um, you know, Aboriginal filmmaker and musician and author of the book uh, Fire Country, um, uh, which I reviewed last year because it was just uh, you know, one of the deadliest books I've seen for a good while. Um, yeah, really, really comes in deep with the complexity in terms of country i think a lot of people have that idea that you just um set fire to the grass and <laughs> and that's it or you do back burning or something like that but it's a lot more complex than that um but you're probably sick of talking about this by now and um so you know we can talk about anything you like um you know and, and just country in general if you like and how that works um how country works so people can get an understanding of the complex layers of that I guess what you said there, like but, earlier, like, you know, what people think, what, you know, the indigenous fire is, you know, just setting fire to the country, you know, aimlessly. I mean, that's where things are at and still at, is, is, is people don't understand fire, they don't understand the country, they don't know what indigenous fire management is. And, um, mm all the research done on an Aboriginal fire knowledge or even the concepts of what Aboriginal fire management is, is um, it hasn't been demonstrated yet in this day and age properly in the terms of Western research or Western people understanding it. Of course, for Aboriginal people, yeah, that's it. what it is and everything, but people don't know what Aboriginal fire is or don't even know um, you know what it includes as well not just about fire it's about everything it's about yeah education they don't understand how important it is yeah like western researchers um research on fire they've they've done their research based on the wrong fires they've done their research based on sick landscapes and not a healthy landscape mm. and um and that's that's um where we're still at yeah it's, until indigenous knowledge can be properly demonstrated and it gets the opportunity to actually demonstrate itself the right way. Um, there'll always yeah. be in that world of just, um, you know, talking about it and assumptions. Mm. Yeah, so it's, well, it's an interdisciplinary thing as well. Like you were saying, it, it's not just fire and it's not just the land and it's not just that it's, um, like you said, it's for education, it's for everything. And that's what really grabbed me about your book is the way 
the way you are able to transfer that that knowledge and that skill set across to all kinds of disciplines, you know, from governance to um, uh, you know, your pedagogy and how you educate, um, but even then how you relate to people, um, uh, goes across to your filmmaking. It goes across to how you write. It's like a, a method. It's a method and a pattern um, that you apply to sort of everything. You know, so you can see how it goes right across a lot of different disciplines. And that's what really grabbed me with it. That's um, that's how I, I knew it was good. Yeah, that's that philosophy, you know, and so, it's, that's, that's that how things are the same, built up of the same matter or the same cells or the same DNA or the same connections. Like we all have a, there's a similarity, not just in, in, in us, in our physical being, but also with the way things are in general, um, from people to plants, to animals, to uh, the universe. Um, everything is um, yeah. very much um, made up the same way and very similar to each other. And even the solutions and how we address our problems are really are also similar. And um, it's not so complex. It's complex, but yet it is. It's more complex when it's divided and separated, and like the Western. Yeah. Way. Well, it's not. It's it's complex, but it's not complicated, and there's a difference. You know, you see complicated in in the ways that they're sort of bringing to this, and it's really it doesn't work very well. It's complicated to separate theory and practice, for example. They get all these layers of abstraction in between you and the reality, you know. So you got like, um, yeah, like so theory and practice that separate those two things. Um, but the old followers gave you a, a word, a new word they had to make up in English to show those two coming together, that idea of fraction. Mm, that's right, that fraction yeah. is important. People don't realize, you know, just how important that word is, you know, they might just think, the first thing someone would think is I'm making words that not even in the dictionary, you know? <laughs> But really, it's it's such it's a word that never existed when we when we think about well, what is an action that you apply to a country or apply to anything that benefits every single living thing, and that action is what mm. benefits everything is is what Aboriginal people have worked out as being a sustainable action, and yeah, it has all the knowledge and the law embedded in it. Yeah, what gives them receive and what you take and give at the same time. You know, it's making sure what you give um, benefits everything. And that's what the fire is. And that's what all indigenous land management practices are, including gathering of food. Like when mm. food is taken from the landscape, it's, you know, the tree doesn't die, the plant regrows. When animals are hunted, it's hunted in season. And they only took certain type of animal, not the females or in certain species. And so there's a lot of rules even in taking animals. And um, all of that is, um, you know, the fraction. It's it's an action it. that, yeah, the action that benefits everything and, and ensures that there's ongoing sustainability. Well, and, nothing's um, created or created or destroyed, really. Yeah, you know, everything uh, cycles back in those closed loops. That's right. And and it goes even deeper than that, you know? It goes even deeper in a sense of like, mm. like the fraction is, you know, like, um, if you like, um, 
it's like a, a way we can measure our future ideas as well. And at the moment, if you look at, you know, modern technology, they don't have, they didn't have that concept in their minds of the fraction. Like when they invented things, they invented things that weren't good for the air, weren't good for the water, weren't good for the animals, weren't, didn't benefit every living thing, but only benefited people. So like a motor car or whatever. And, um, and so that's, it's, it's, it shows how traditional knowledge values or traditional knowledge philosophy, indigenous teaching will never go out of date, just like natural law never goes out of date. And so when we look at the future of technology or we look at the future of inventions of any sort, then they need to start um, aligning with the same formula of um, doing something or inventing something or in a modern sense that is good for the air, good for the plants, good for the animals. And um, that's something that, you know, a part of Western thinking that they never really put into thought of any of their, um, you know, in inventions or ideas. And um, it's always been just about themselves and not about the, their environment. And I guess that's a really inv invaluable, uh, a simple, um, value that you can take from that in the modern sense as well. Um, but it, it hasn't always been like that. And I mean, you know this from your own, um, I mean, you have a little bit of Scandinavian heritage too. And you've been back there on that Vi Viking land there. <laughs> you've got that Victor Stephenson, proper Viking name. And you've yeah, been back and connected with that side of things. And so, you know, you know that it hasn't always been like that. But that, that's been quite a recent thing that might be only a few centuries old. This way they break things down into like, you know, this one and that one and this one and that one. And they look at each thing in and of itself. And that makes everything complicated because they're not seeing the entire thing. Um, like, oh, we'll get back to the Viking stuff later. I want to hear your story from there because you just told a bit of that in the book and I want to hear more because <laughs> I've got a thing for Vikings. that they. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think like uh, most of the world wouldn't know this, but blackfellas um, love that Vikings <laughs> stuff. You know, watching the Viking movies and um, and that that series, like everybody was getting home in time to watch the next episode of Vikings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, look, I did have one fella tell me he he said he'd read this study that suggested that. Um, that Aboriginal Australia had contributed more um, to the greenhouse effect uh, over most of human history than, than everybody else has uh, because of the burning off that, that just put carbon into the atmosphere. Um, can, can you explain what's wrong with that thinking? Well, that's, again, it's like I said earlier, you know, they base all their principles off the wrong fire. They base all their principles off the, the wrong experiences of fire and land management. And most of the experiences that they see of yeah. fires has a reduction or wildfires and fires that are mm. completely wrong to um, the country. So, so they'd, they'd measure the amount of smoke coming per hectare off a wildfire. And then yeah, they'd well, use that as the basis for their calculations for how much carbon went up. Well, that's where, um, you know, they're not taking into account. I mean, you know, they could have seen Aboriginal people burning and it might not have been the kind of burn that I would agree with either, you know? Like a lot of the, mm. the idea of burning vast amount of country just for carbon, I don't see that as, um, you know, really um, 
ticking the boxes around looking after all the animals properly and, and really are yeah. breaking up the different ages in the country that was culturally burned in different ways. And, um, mm. You know, but they're um, also not seeing how that stimulating that stimulating that grass and vegetation in that way actually yeah. increases. It it draw ends up drawing down twice as much carbon as what's going out anyway. That's right. Mm. Like it's, when you look at the state of the landscape in a lot of places, there's no grass that's left. And that has come from the wrong fires. And when we look at um, what we're trying to do is bring back the grasses. And grasses do a hell of a lot of work in sucking up a lot of carbon. And so in any case, um, fire is needed to bring back grasses and to help um, suck in more carbon. Um, in this case, in Australia, we have less grass now than we had in the beginning, you know, before colonization because of the way land's been managed particularly in southern areas where it hadn't had enough fire and only fire does get as a large fire the other thing is burning the trees and burning the wrong types of vegetation and that creates um, um, different qualities of smoke and that's where different qualities of smoke are really important and that knowledge of smoke is so important and why burning the grass is so important because it produces a, a different type of smoke than other types of vegetation, such as trees and, and weeds and other things. Mm -hmm. And so when we get a landscape that has, um, you know, that's been burnt the wrong way and has activated the wrong seed banks and, and we have lots of wattles or invasive natives, or we have um, mm -hmm. or tons of, you know, introduced weeds come up instead of the, um, the native grasses and understory plants that belong there, then we end up with um, vegetation that, um, burns differently for one and mm. that creates different heat and, and temperatures in the soils and the other thing that we get from that is a different quality of smoke now it's really important mm. to understand that the grass smoke is the cleanest smoke possible and when it comes to burning um, the country the grass smoke is is what people aim for because it is so thin and so light and they weren't talking about the carbon back then you know mob mm. maybe who knows they might have knew some of the more people but at the end of the day the light smoke um you know was less intense for the native bees it was mm. um, you know the bees didn't run away and and honey was so important the bees were so important to the people and um that's they didn't it want to burn the trees although they burn all the honey they didn't want to burn the canopies they burn all the flowers that the bees feed on and chase the yeah. bees away so the grass mode. But it all fits together because you can't go, you don't go for a sugar bag at the time when the grass is all tall. Because mm. that's a crappy job. You've got to walk through and that grass is cutting you up. <laughs> you know, so you don't you don't go for the sugar bag, then you wait until it lies flat. And then when it's lied, it's lying flat and it's dropped its uh, seed, you know, that's the best time to burn. But it's also a, a you know, a, it's a it's a slow burn and a cool burn. So it's not damaging the sugar bag, but it also happens to be, you know, once that grass is flat and then even after it's burned, that's the time when the sugar bag is at its richest. And you don't harvest outside of that rich season, eh? Like that's when the good medicine is in the honey. That's everything else, you know? That's the same with every, everything. Yeah, it all lines up. Like I, yeah, like I can remember going for catfish and it's just the right season, like you, to get that really fat catfish in that certain place. Mm. And, you know, but that happens to be also when the mosquitoes are 
just like they make it intolerable to be there to catch it. But you, you light that grass up there and that gets rid of the mosquitoes. And it just happens to be also the perfect time to burn that grass because, you know, the perfect time when the seeds are going to drop, but then also the perfect time for the, the other trees that are there uh, dropping their seeds as well and, and or just needs that stimulus from the, the smoke. It's every, just perfect. Everything all just kind of uh, fits together. It's also just at the right time when the dew is heavy enough and going to drop and give it just the right amount of moisture to regenerate everything. It all kinds of fits together and we're in that. We're in an ecological niche. That's we're, right. um, we're part of that and we're supposed to be in that. And the place will tell you when to burn because you need to burn because the mozzies will eat you if you don't. You know, it's like that, even on that simple kindergarten level, that's a land speaking to you. Mm. That's right. There's like thousands upon thousands of allowances that are made up between all living things and even different trees give different allowances to each other and even different um, ecosystems when it comes down to fire, you know, some systems will say will stay greener than other systems and, you know, that's because they don't want to fire at that time. They'll say, mm. oh, I'm bark tree, you can have the fire at that time, but I don't want it at that time because it's too hot for me at that time of year and for us, we're flammable at that time of year and we'll get burnt. And mm. so we'll make ourselves green so the fire stops at us when you have your fire. So there's these allowances of you can do what you need in your tribe and this mob and us mob, we do it differently. And it's like that within the different ecosystems too. Like, and so they, they, it's like stories all through the landscape of um, different trees and ecosystems and animals that um, say that, well, you can do, if you need something like fire or you need to breed a certain time, then you do it this time and I can do it at this time. And that way we both do get what we want and we don't affect each other. And it's a mm. really special, um, it's really amazing when you see those indicators. And when I show that to people, they just love it, you know, and it just yeah. fascinates them even more on how, how alive our landscape is and how much it's living and, and how intelligent as yeah, well. It's, all, it's like, all, yeah, all these different cycles, all these different agents, all these different things happening all at once, mm. you know? So it, you can't just put a fire through the lot of all one kind of fire. You know, it's at different times for different purposes. It really needs that, you know? Um, and it is alive. I mean, it's alive in every sense, you know, but at least because it is a complex system, you know, that has a lot of parts operating together, just like the neurons in your brain you know, or, or like the microflora in your gut or anything else is a kind of, I mean, it is sentient, you know, it's got all those moving parts together as part of one system. And, um, and it communicates, you know, right across that system, there's information pinging right across all the time. Um, and we're not so even, it is we're not sentient, even, it's intelligent. And today, we're not, we're not even close to that groove. And and Western science and modern society now, they're not even close to that understanding and even living within that same system. And yet, and yet they can make assumptions about traditional learning and they can make assumptions about Aboriginal land management and they, have, and they still haven't experienced it. And, um, mm. and that's why it's so important that, you know, we're demonstrating this and we just get on with gaining the capacity to just start you know, giving those examples and managing country and 
practically showing people that um, you know that you know that all the benefits are there if we look after the country yeah. the wrong way, and and all the answers to their questions are there if they only allow us to demonstrate and not to um, make assumptions. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, and I keep having people telling me, oh, well, you're, so you're an expert in your landscape, you know, but I'm from an urban landscape and I'm an expert in my landscape. And I'm, but I, and then I ask them some questions and I find they're not an expert in that landscape because they're not connecting anything. Mm. They only look at one thing at a time. So they'll just look at traffic and then just look at supermarket. They're not connecting things up and going, well, you know, when we can buy this kind of fruit in the supermarket, that's that season. And, you know, and for, you know, and when that, when you start seeing that fruit in the supermarket, then your internet connection will be slow and the traffic between here and here will be slow. So we'll have to go around the other way, you know, and this sport will probably be being played. Um, so I'm going to lose every Wednesday afternoon. You know, I'm going to have to adjust my life to make sure I drop the kids off at that. You know what I mean? Like they're not connecting all those things up. Mm. even in their own life so they're not seeing it knowing that i don't like the word holistic i think it's been misused but you know what i mean yeah, they're not yeah. seeing the complexity and the connections and the way the system is talking to them yeah um, so they miss that yeah that's right and that, yeah it's it's you know like when you when you look at the city and you look at country and you know both of them benefit from you know the knowledge of landscapes and they, both of them will benefit from indigenous knowledge perspectives um and I, and um and you know and demonstrating that is going to is something that i you know at, you know always aim to do through the work like being working mm. with students in the cities talking to the um, architect students you know about um yeah knowledge values and landscapes and in talking to law students um you know, and I've also been talking to people who work in health and people who work with the youth. Um, and there's always that question, you know, that how do we contribute or how do we get involved, no matter if we live yeah. in the city or we live in the country. And everyone can contribute. Mm. And, and like I say, the knowledge never goes out of date. Mm. And therefore, the applications never go out of date. Yeah. Or do what we do with our lives to support what's happening, you know, support change to look after our planet better, you know? Yeah. People, everyone's got a role to play and Indigenous knowledge is a, an amazing guide to, to give them direction, mm. whether they're law students and wanted to exercise their law to look after the country better or, you know, fight for yeah. the land better, understand why um, looking after the environment through law is so important to mm. architects, whatever, uh, chefs, yeah, and it's not just a hobby or something interesting. Chefs need to know that for seasonal produce for a start, you know, to make sure they always got the best seasonal stuff happening. But then, you know, even something just like seasons comes into, like we're on lockdown right now in Melbourne. We're on another lockdown for COVID, you know, but I didn't hear anything in that response and in all the emergency preparations that they put in place and all the plans and everything else, I didn't see them think about country in there at all and i mean they might think that would be a silly thing to think about but it's probably important to notice that this is the storm season right now 
So you're going to get some storms here <laughs> and that that's going to make some problems. So we had storm last night and um, there's all kinds of things going on. And, you know, all the telecommunications are patchy throughout the day and dropping down and dro dropping in and dropping out. And there's people trying to call emergency services and they can't get through and the Internet's down and uh, everybody's on lockdown trying to walk, work from home. And then they can't get in their Zoom meeting and they can't open their email. Yeah, yeah. Um and we've just, uh, I've just had a whole day of that. Now, finally, we've got like this halfway stable Zoom connection that could drop out any second uh, <laughs> doing this one. But it's just, you know, in your when you're putting together a complicated plan like that, it helps to be a bit more complex in how you look at things. And so your first step has got to be, you've got to look at country and think about what season you're in and what's coming. Um, so that blindsided them because they ignored country when they put that plan together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same with just about everything that they do. They just ignored country. They've ignored country this whole time until just recently, really. I mean, every yeah. decisions have been made from offices and, you know, inside buildings and within organizations. And it's never been, country's never been involved. They're con on. You know, and um, and that's yeah. all I'm simply doing with the work. and is just involving the country, just giving the country a voice. Mm. And, and that's why we do everything on country and take the people out on country to teach them. That's it. Because then the country is there, right there. And then when we're lighting the fire or yep. what we're doing, we, we say to them what the fire is going to do before we light it. And that's a, like a magic trick for a lot of people. You know what? You got to tell the fire what to do. It's going to do exactly what you say. It's going to go out exactly where to say. It's going to be as high as you're going to say and it's going to travel as fast as you're going to say and it's not going to burn this plant and it's going to only burn this plant and it's, this plant will die but this one won't die it's going to do all of that and then you light it and it does exactly that and they go wow how did you do that and I say it's the country showing you this. Yeah. it's not me doing it yeah. that's the country showing you you know it's actually look it's yeah. It's, I, I said it, but now the country's saying yes. So it, it's, it's showing you the truth, and so all I'm doing That's is it. the country of voice. And but what we, what I'm trying to get at is that you know the landscape is finally in the conversation, <laughs> and when that comes yeah. in the conversation, then no one can argue with that because that's where the the truth is is um, is actually in in yeah in the country's reaction. Well, you can argue, you can ignore it, but um, eventually, you know, mother will smack, you know, um, or she comes back at you, country. Yeah, if you do the wrong thing. And I think what you just said yeah. there is something that all people seem to have come to believe. It's like the baby steps of step one to understanding just, um, you know, the strength of landscapes and all the spiritual sort of connection to landscapes. And that is the fact that um, if you don't listen to country, it's going to turn around and slap you on the wrist. If you don't listen to Mother Nature, it's going to mm. blow up in your mm. face. I think people have seen that now. They must at least understand that by now. <laughs> they got to be yeah. And look, you, you need your mum. You need your mum. They, they did that study on all those Romanian babies. You know, there was a war and there were a whole heap of orphan babies. And they had like 200 of them all in, in a room. They only had like three nurses and they were just going and so they didn't have time to pick them up or hug them or anything. So they just run around changing the nappies and, you know, giving them a bottle 
that's all they had time for, you know, for all these babies. And so they grew up toddlers and they were almost not even human. You know, they had none, they had no basic skills. They couldn't think, they couldn't walk properly, they couldn't do anything, you know, because they'd never had that mother. And, they, you know, they, so they studied it and studied it and they found that the thing that was missing is that they'd never been held. They'd never been held by their mother. Sometimes I think about this um, industrial culture that's kind of scabbed over the earth right now. And I think of it in the same way that, you know, all of us to some extent are domesticated in this industrial culture. And um, that we're all a little bit like those Romanian babies, you know. <laughs> that's exactly right. I mean, even the Malpolis, like, would actually couldn't believe it when they meet some people. Like when I go back to when old fellows are alive, old people are alive, and I don't, you know, not just like many of them, women and and male elders, you know, like they would meet certain people from a different place, and they would be just dumbfounded at the fact that they didn't know what simple things about the country, they didn't know the simplest things, even about when they watch the news. Mm -hmm. and some of the old ladies that I met, they were going. They say, they see the fires on TV, burning all the people, burning all the houses. And they say, I don't understand. I don't understand how these people getting burnt and the houses getting burnt and the children. Are... And um, when the people are right there and they're all living on that country. And so they're brought up in this world, just, um, yeah, they're a different breed of hum humans. Now they're not even connected to the landscape anymore. And I Homo Homo economicus, some people are calling it. Yeah, it's weird. And then the, you know, you know, one thing I saw just I see it well, I see it quite often, and I saw it yesterday was when I was burning down near Brisbane area there, there was a little child at the fire, and he was only about hmm. three, four years old, and he was there standing up watching the fire and his mother was there and, and they were like um oh that's that's um really great you know and i was saying well look at this child it's looking at fire it's looking at people walking the land and burning country he's looking at something he's brought into the world seeing something that um other children have never seen in the past in the, in the recent years you know and, and growing up, seeing people looking after the land, growing up, seeing the fire, the right fire in the landscape. And, um, you know, so there's there's a start to um, putting, you know, the future generations on the right track and actually being more programmed, aligned with Mother Nature and with the country and with culture rather than the absence of that. And you, you soon see what product comes out of the absence. Because now look at the other little kids, you know, I show a little video to these mob from down south of fire, a video. And the little kid ran away almost crying when he saw the fire. Because oh. his experience of the fire was, was death. Oh, and on the news. And losing your family. Yeah. In your home. And um, see, it's a, they're programming in that way. And it's, and, you know, and we're set to think certain ways. And it's um, it's it really is um, concerning. Mm. I think that the old people have always known. They've always said to the young one, "You got to learn your culture. Get out of the country, otherwise you're going to be no good. You're going to be lost." And that's what they're always. Yeah. You're going to get lost. 
And I think that's what we're getting at. That's a simple word, the way to put it. People yeah. become lost. And yeah. They think they're not lost, but they're lost. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. With some, but, and then, then you grow up and then you have to be somebody who's, who's going to manage your landscape in a way that's going to actually keep everything going. And, you know, um, big changes like they happen. They've all, always happened. You know, we've had so many apocalypses here on this continent, but you know, if you know what you're doing, you know, everybody survives. And there's that, that idea from the old people of, if you don't move with the land, the land will move you. Mm. You know, ecosystems are always moving. Climates are always changing. There's dry times, wet times, you know, there's times where there are giant, giant animals in the landscape. And, you know, there was a time here when there were massive, massive herbivores <laughs> walking around all over the place before the climate changed and, um, and they yeah. went away. So it's, uh, you know, there was, um, we had those big herbivores at that time in that ecosystem who could take care of all that fuel load, you know, so it didn't need to be burned off um, in the same way. Yeah, I mean, you know, the application of fire would have been different over time, you know. You know, it's yeah. I can say that the fire is more needed more than ever today because of the land being opened up, being all the old trees have been chopped down, and so. Um, well, that's it. Fire will is needed even more now, and it's going to come well, even more. And wildfire is going to even be more worse, and so they made it yeah. made it more fire. By yep. changing the landscape, and but it's going to need fire to fix it again, you know. And so, mm. and if time and time, when we, if we look after the land in generations to come, and we look after, we keep our focus on, you know, looking after the trees and letting them grow old, and you know, and protecting yeah. them from wildfires, and making sure that we protect our country by keeping it as healthy as possible. Yeah. See the, see what, see a change. In, um... Well, and it's 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 more than just going. Ah, trees capture carbon. You know, trees create microclimates. Trees hold the soil together, prevent erosion. So we should plant more trees. And I've heard you say a few times the same thing that same thing that I say is that um, you know because everybody everybody's out there planting trees, bros. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can buy a pair of carbon neutral sneakers because for every pair of shoes you buy, someone's going to plant two trees. And they reckon that'll do the trick. But but as you keep saying to people, no, no, don't plant trees. You don't know where to put the trees. <laughs> burn country. Burn country. And country will grow the trees, the right trees in the right place. That's right. Yeah. I, I don't know if you want to go into that a bit, because that's that's beautiful logic there. Well, that's right. That's, again, that shows that... Um you know, how the fire is programmed for different soils and how trees have got different DNA that reacts to different um, heat in different, um, in different ways in different soils, you know? And that's why when we burn country, we activate the seed banks and um, not just for yeah. the grasses and for the understory plants and bush foods and medicines and stuff, but also the, the trees. So the trees come up. Mm. And, and in places where the trees have been chopped down, you know, I've all my experience uh, when we put the fire in, I'm sure enough the right trees will pop up in the in the right places, and um, and um, you'll cr grow more trees with managing the land the right way than 
going out there planting trees. And, you know, I see people out there mm. planting thousands of trees and then they got little... In rows. A little um, thing around them, you know, like a little um, guard around them so that the animals can't eat them. Oh, yeah. And then they go and... Uh, <laughs> like, they go out there with a big water tank on the back of a ute and they're driving around trying to water them all. All that yeah. effort, digging holes. Yeah. And, um, you know, we light a fire and then, and then we get all these trees come up without digging holes and without pain for them and without putting guards around them. And the animal's not going to eat them because they're the right trees for the right place. And they survive and we don't have to water them. And, um, yeah. and, and then I go look at the tree planting and the success rate is very low. You know, as well, I see a lot yeah, of them that's don't make it. Um, animals end up eating them anyway. Um, they die because they haven't got any water. Mm. It's soil types for those trees. Um, so at yeah. the end of the day, it ends up being a feel-good exercise. And I know that it's probably good for yeah. the corridors in certain certain stages and certain ways. But in the majority of the fire-prone country, we should be just managing them, that country the right way, and so that we bring back the identity mm. of that systems the right identity and if we bring back yeah. the right identity of those trees in the right soil then what happens is that we get um, all the medicines and plants and the right grasses because a lot of those plants won't grow unless that right tree is there and so there's a relationship with other other plant species that's it and they won't exist without the other plant that's it and you know, it's got to be the right tree and the right grass on the right soil that's and right. you've got to put the right fire through that because some of those soils reflect and some of them absorb heat. So it's a different kind of fire you got to put through. That's right. And yeah. so that's bringing back the identity of that landscape, um, which will bring back more diversity. But when they plant trees, what they'll probably end up with is, um, you know, like the tree, if they do survive, will be the wrong trees. Therefore, it might take out the grasses. They won't allow certain plants to grow. And therefore, um, they will contribute to extinction of certain plants. And grass yeah. or planting the wrong trees in the wrong ecosystems. And um, well, you can you can see them. Um, you can see them in some places, like especially Melbourne. You can see them trying to protect the trees from the possums. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> With them guards around. I'm not them. lying. <laughs> they put them uh, these these plastic around the trunk. Yeah, yeah. So that they slip, they can't get up there because yeah. they don't like the look of this. The possum scratches on the trunk. That's because you know, I keep tree. thinking, oh, those those trees must be itchy from not getting that scratch. But you know, and then but that just means that you know, in a few decades, that tree will just drop or split from worm or something, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because they can't see that that the tree needs the possums in it and all the things that the possums bring in and the things that the possums do. Yeah. And it might even, you know, well, I mean, and this isn't down here, but you know, up north, like you know how that strangler fig works and you know, all kinds of things, those animals, those birds, they, they'll take that seed up into the wrong tree. And, <laughs> right. you know, like I've even seen camphor laurels get completely eradicated over time by a strangler fig. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and that's got to be the way to do it. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. you know, if you just go back to the possum, you know, like if you take anything that doesn't belong somewhere and put it somewhere, it's going to create havoc. Or if you take something that doesn't belong somewhere, then it's not going to, it's going to struggle to survive. It's either either yeah. the one, either it struggles yeah. or it creates havoc and, and takes over and destroys that place and the natives that belong to that place. 
and um, there's another. That's it, and it needs every part of that system to come in. You know, so that possum, yeah, to New Zealand, and look at it; it turns into a monster. It That's eats it. everything, and it um, it's a it's a monster, and they hate it. And over here, it's a cute little fairy animal. You know, that yeah. tastes good. But at the end well, of the pretty day, pretty much you you shouldn't have anything in New Zealand that doesn't have feathers on it. Yeah, well. That's how that ecosystem evolved. Yeah, well, that's why the possum doesn't belong there. And so when it goes there, it destroys everything. That's that law mm. between quarantine into different ecosystems, different places. I think over, yeah. you know, you look at our ecosystems, we have that quarantine within, not just overseas, but you have that quarantine within the landscape too. Mm. In different yeah. And the old people will work that out, that if this tree just goes across, yep. A few hundred meters into this place where it's a different type of soil and belongs to these other trees it's going to destroy mm. that country yeah and it's just like the possum in new zealand and that's what what happens that's it and so that's why the and migrations migrations happen naturally but mm. and there's exchange between the systems but it happens slow mm. you know there's a, a kind of there is that quarantine that, that border sort of that lets some things through and then stops other things you know yeah that's that quarantine. It's really clever. Forever more. It's really clever. And Mother Nature, mm. again, it's going back to when we talked about those allowances. And you know, one one mm. place, one one place or, or living thing will make an allowance for another to survive by, you know, having what it wants when the other one don't need it. And that's that's that quarantine again and, and how that all that yeah. and identity and identity mm. of place and all these different ecosystems and trees. Yeah. And how trees are like clan groups, like Aboriginal clan groups, gum tree clan, stringy bark clan, and bloodwood clan, and how you get mixed as well. You mm. know, where people are from this clan and that clan and that clan, and you got like bloodwood and stringy bark and iron bark in the same system where they're mixed. And it's all made up the same way, the same philosophy and the same people mm. made up the same way as the country. And that quarantine same exists in the people way too. So for Aboriginal people, it's like, well, you don't belong in this country, just your country over there. It's the same thing. You yeah. just belong in this country, you go back to the river. That's your country. And it's exactly mm. the same laws. And, and so the social and environmental laws are the same when it comes to Aboriginal um, governance and society. Because you know, the governance is patterned on the, the, the law of the land, the, the landscape. Yeah, it's the same system. It's right. It's yeah. identical. And that's yeah. why there's that same respect and so many clan groups on one landscape. Mm. Also, it's, um, you know, it's also um, amazing how there's so many different ecosystems in the same landscape, all the same. That's it. And kept that way, just like the people kept yeah. their way that way. And the way that mm. the people kept the plant and the different diversity and ecosystems is by managing it the right way, with yeah. fire and without fire. And you know, and other ways of managing too, like gathering, harvesting, and you know, so forth. Mm. Yes, yeah. been like a process of gardening almost. You oh, might yeah. call it gardening rather than agriculture. <laughs> you well, know what's again, been going on? It's like permaculture. Mm. I think it's a whole other level. I mean, when you look yeah. at Bruce Pascoe and them, they really use the word farming. And, they use the word agriculturalists and, and all that sort yeah, of stuff. I don't, I don't um, hold with that. Another level again. Yeah. 
Now it's completely different. What's embeddedness in the landscape? It's another whole level that they're talking about. They actually make an example from a different level. And that is a yeah. whole other level. And I don't think there's a word for it. Just like fraction. Yeah. That yeah. That well, that's it. I I don't I don't like the way that a lot of people sort of uh you know, we'll take you know all the elements of civilization and go. Well, Aboriginal people did this like there was an intellectual tradition. There's they were grinding flour for bread, and Aboriginal people had a civilization too. Because I, I see civilization as a very different thing. I see it as a community that's stuck, stuck in a um, in a in a, a need to keep growing. And growing and growing otherwise it'll collapse mm. it's sort of running on the wrong running on the wrong program you know that's running on a program where they have to keep growing they have to keep extracting and increasing that and increasing that until until mother smacks and they they're finished after 500 or a thousand years so I, I don't think that's what we've ever had here no nah. i'd have to agree because there was a whole nother level it's, again like you say, next level stuff. Next level yeah. stuff. And, you know, it goes beyond um, what they understand, what most people understand. And it's that fine groove. Again, I always keep saying that fine groove because that's that, mm. that's right. That's between the lines, you know, right there, find that sweet yeah. And that's what that yeah. of occupation does, you know. That's it. And that's the intelligence and being sustainable. And, um, you know, you, you can't survive for thousands of years on a landscape without finding that group of um, really, and that sweet spot of being actually a part of the landscape and living with the landscape. Um, and all those, with all those things, food, farming, everything combined into one of um, without tilling the soils, uh, without cutting down the trees, without, uh, you know, damming all the water into one place uh, and without overpopulating the hell out of the landscape i mean language comes from that too like even yeah. how you speak english I, I never heard anybody use the word allowance like like you have in this yarn and allowance it's the perfect word i just keep going oh and i keep seeing the sound like the equivalent like what you're talking about if you look across into the industrial sort of modern you know, English sort of culture here. And what they'll talk about is the same thing, but without the relationships and in that extractive sort of way, it's like what you can get from the things, you know, from, um, you know, any object or technology or, you know, entity uh, around. And they use the word affordance. Mm. So there are affordances that something will give you if you're using it. You know, <laughs> like that. But then I hear you saying allowance, you know, and I put it alongside that and I see a completely different relation. This yeah. sharing that sort of must go on and that it's not just sort of communism or anything. It's just, it's in the land. The trees know how to do it. <laughs> yeah, the grass yeah. knows how to do it. Oh, no. And, and that's what that allowance, that's the only word I can come up with that would um, mean to respect another thing or another place or another living thing, you know, in that way. And, um, yeah, you know, it's not about yourself. It's giving allowances for something. Yeah. And um, to, so that it can, yeah. to 
survive and it can continue to be what you know what it is and who it is and 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 that's what it's, yeah. about. it's about but you still have that authority what you're taking from and and always acknowledging what yeah around you you know yeah but each thing has its authority because it's permitting it you know yeah like, yeah all right I, all right i embark you can have this phosphorus in this season here you go you can have that one <laughs> you know what i mean it's not just like ah yeah <sighs> that's right and yeah and then and then the other side of that is that everything is equal you know everything's equal mm. yeah that's it well, the, there is a there is an economy in that there's an economy and uh, you know and flows of exchange that are going on that um you can only track it when you're in it yeah all right yeah so i wanted to ask you um i wanted to ask you about about something um like there's this idea there's this idea that to stop uh global warming um that they might start you know shooting missiles up into the sky and like spreading a layer of dust like particles of you know various different kinds of substances that they might put that right up in that uh, top layer of sky around the earth to make like a shield to stop the sun from coming through uh to cool the planet down um and, and, what are the problems that you can see with that just with your uh, understanding of country like applying I, I just wanted to give you a problem uh to work with using your uh, unique skill set of being able to look at the world in a certain way well you know like so what kind of problems so are many you ways. see with that well, that idea there's so many ways to look at that you know and there's so many problems that could have come from that too i mean we just talked about that quarantine we just talked about what happens if we don't respect another place or a different place or space and um that's again you know i'm mm. um, tampering with mother nature and um you know hopefully looking for the best outcome but it's sky country there's always something that can go wrong you know <laughs> and for us like what it also demonstrates to me is is um you know that they still haven't learned anything about the country they're still not listening to the country and mm. and it shows me that they don't understand the country still and it's just like the fire thing you know like their answers that i see now they're going to invent like these um giant um drones are going to scoot out and put the fires out you know and this you know and it's just like when are they going right. to actually try looking after the land when are they actually going to try a whole another level of managing the landscape and and why do they continue to to go away from the solution that's right under their nose why do they continue to ignore our mother as a living being and that we need to boost her immune system um why do they always have to be the like the like this modern western mindset why they they've got always got to be the the solution them and not actually as a collective as in our whole natural mm. world it's um that same old approach uh, that keeps on happening that way and uh, why aren't they just even looking at that more extensive land management to reduce um 
you know, um, the landscape being annihilated by wildfires and protect all our um, animals and plants and, you know, by looking after the country the right way. Yeah. Mm. It's just like they don't, they're not even trying, you know, and yeah, they're not even trying. And, uh, and so they'll always go that extreme level without looking at the basics and without, mm. um, you know, getting that foundation right. And that's, that's frustrating. I always see that everywhere. It's like they put more steroids yeah. of rural fire service and to do more hazard reduction mm. burns, but don't um, look at um, more careful and complex ways of managing the land on a whole nother level again that, it, that stops the flammable plants and slows down the wildfires and brings up the food and look after animals and take care of all the problems in one, in one action. So that sort of thing, it's all based on that economy. And that economy um, existed in Norway, I believe, too. And that was it, the healthy landscape. But it wasn't money, you know. It was, it was like a, mm. a landscape that, that could actually, was, was full of um, food and animals and plants, and it was healthy. Mm. Um, so that's why the- well, Wealthy. Yeah, that's right. That's wealth right there. And when we look at all the uses of all the trees and we look at all the plants, the medicines, the food, um, they're all sources of a of future economy that we haven't even tapped into. And what right now, if we don't manage the lands, we're losing those opportunities of the future of, of having a better green economy. And that's why I, I say that you know, the first step is to make that land very, very healthy. And that's why the fire's the first, first off, because it's the, it's the start of creating a healthy landscape. And once you have a healthy landscape, well, then you can open the doors of opportunity around what we're talking about. And, and that's why it's so important. But to, you know, just to cut it down, um, to short answer what you were trying to say before was, you know, yeah, I think it's possible that um, we can start trickling in and and demonstrating um, a green economy through indigenous knowledges and healthy landscapes and and creating that seed for um, changing our agricultural structure as well into the future. Well, first we need to be able to teach everybody to read country and um, as a stepping stone, and then we need to be able to bring all non-Aboriginal people back under the law of the land and. Um, that's pretty urgent. I don't know. I reckon we've got maybe a couple of decades to get that done. What's your What's your assessment? How long we got? Just before we wrap up now, you got any uh, timeline? You think how long you got before we pass the point of no return and it's all finished? Well, the turning point is every single living person today, whether you're young or old, everyone out there from every living age. Um, it's our lifetime. We need to get it right now and now in the generations yep. that are here now. That's it. It's in this lifetime now. That's right. All right, butter man. Well, we're gonna finish up. I gotta go and make make dinner for these bubs. Same. All right, bro. Thank you, All very right. much. How about? Oh.